This is the reality. Hello again, welcome to the reality. I'm Dudley Anderson, and it's really lovely to be with you once again, sharing the story of life touched and changed for the good, for good, by the reality of Christ. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. Please find out more at our website, surereality.net, or email me, dudley, at surereality.net. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. The Christian life is not all sunshine and roses, but as Jesus promised, we can take courage in the fact that He has overcome the troubles of this world. Christian author, blogger and speaker who's passionate about sharing important truths in a relatable way, Elizabeth Mayers grew up in a Christian home and accepted Christ at an early age. But her faith did not affect her life until much later when Elizabeth joined the US Air Force. But her faith was yet to be challenged even further. Elizabeth said she had a transactional view of God until she suffered the loss of a child in the second trimester of pregnancy. Just as I was beginning to feel that excitement and that joy, that's when tragedy struck. We were away from home and pretty much without warning, his body was born. And then it wasn't until later that my body started bleeding and other things happening. Mm -hmm. So I just really struggled. This is where my faith just took a nosedive. And, and that was, again, based on this transactional faith that I had of, hey, if I do what I'm supposed to, then God will make everything work out okay. As always, let's begin chatting with Elizabeth Mayers today by asking her how she came to find the reality of Jesus Christ for herself. Thank you for having me on the show today and for giving me the opportunity to share that. I love to talk about Jesus. Um, I fortunately grew up in a Christian home, had a very happy childhood, and I um, you know, heard the story about Jesus and our need to accept him as a young person, I'd say as 11 or 12. Mm. And so I, you know, I prayed a prayer and I accepted Jesus the best I was able to understand at that time. It didn't really have a profound effect on my life because I, I didn't really know that it was supposed to. No. Um, for me, Christianity was just kind of going to church on Sunday and that was really all I knew about it. It wasn't until I went to college, I uh, went, I attended the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. So went through basic training, you know, basically four years of basic training. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty intense. But um, during that time, um, God really kind of knocked out all the crutches in life that I had been leaning on. You know, I didn't have my family anymore. You know, I was, I was no longer like the teacher's pet or the straight A student. You know, it was just a really hard place to be and where things had come easier to me before. Now everything was difficult. Mm -hmm. And so the word sanctuary actually took on a whole new meaning for me. I started going to chapel daily to get away from the upperclassmen when I was in basic training. Mm -hmm. And I had no intention of going to, to chapel to interact with God. I went there to write letters home to my family. And I would sit in the back row and write letters um, so that the upperclassmen would leave me alone because they weren't allowed to come in there and mess with us. Oh. Um, but gradually over time, you know, I almost against my will, you know, I started listening to what the chaplains were saying. I was absorbing the music and the worship songs that they were playing. And it was really just ministering to my soul and to the, those empty places in me. And, you know, so gradually I put the letters down, you know, I moved forward a few rows and I got much more invested. So my sophomore year at the academy, I, I actually had a renewed understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And I decided that I wanted to be baptized to, you know, sort of announce that. 
Um, I had been baptized as a baby, but I felt like that was my parents' decision, and I wanted to make my own decision. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were actually on a retreat in the mountains of Colorado in January in an outdoor pond. So <laughs> we had to break the ice off the pond before we went in there. And it was a, a retired colonel was the one baptizing us. There were like four or five people. And he wow. said to us before, and he goes, I'm going to be in that water the whole time for all of you. He goes, so when I call your name, you will not hesitate. You will step into the water. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. And I remember just stepping in. It's like, you know, it takes your breath away. Cool. And so really just, you know, coming up out of that water, that whole race to new life thing was just very real for me. <laughs> I bet. I mean, frozen water. It was incredible. But um, then, you know, through my adult life, I continued to follow Jesus. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I kind of had this transactional view of God. Like if I do all the do's, and I avoid all the don'ts, then God's going to take care of everything and life will be fine and happy and sunshine and roses. And for the most part, it really was until, which you mentioned earlier, I lost my son in the second trimester. Mm -hmm. And that just devastated me. That completely derailed me. I completely questioned all my my faith, everything I ever thought I believed. I was angry with God. I didn't understand. And I, I just went through this really dark period of my life. And I am so thankful that God is faithful to us, even when we are not faithful to him. Mm. And he has restored my relationship with him. And now my faith is built on a a firmer foundation of Jesus is who he says he is, regardless of what I'm going through. And it it doesn't have to be all sunshine and roses. In fact, it's not going to be, Mm. and that's okay. Mm. And just learning to trust God in the midst of difficulties. So um, it was a, a painful and a long journey but I feel like I'm so much closer with God and it's such a better place now because of having gone through that. Mm. Um, you know, I can just see how he has worked in me, even in the, the really hard times, even in the times when I thought he had abandoned me, but he hadn't. Mm, mm, wow. Incredible story. Uh, let's just go back a little bit. You gave your life to Jesus um, at age 12. Uh, did you actually mm-hmm. understand what that meant to ask Jesus into your life? You said that uh, it didn't have much of an impact in your life. What was your understanding at that age? So my understanding then was more from an eternal perspective. You know, I understood the basics of, you know, Jesus atones for our sin and we get to go to heaven. And But I didn't understand that it should affect my day-to-day walk as well. Mm. So I think I got kind of, you know, the basic outline, the big picture. I I believe that, I mean, do we ever really understand all there is to know about Jesus? No, we don't. Mm. But I feel like God, you know, would have honored my what my understanding at that time, you know, had I, had I passed away at 13 or whatever, Hmm. you know, I, I believe I was bound for heaven, but um, I just didn't know how to incorporate that into regular life. I I just thought it was a thing for the next life. Hmm. So um, if you had to talk to a 12 year old now, you know, from your Mm -hmm. point of view, how would you, how would you talk to them about receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior to actually understand it and grasp it? It is the age of understanding. How would Mm -hmm. you, how would you tell them about Jesus? So I see it more now of the way that Jesus changes our life is not we try to do good things to try to earn our way to heaven. Mm. Jesus did that for us. But we live our lives in a way that says, thank you. Thank you for something I can never repay. And so, you know, the quote good things we're supposed to do is our way of just thanking him and honoring him and valuing the sacrifice that he gave for us because we never can pay it back. We never can be good enough. It never depends on me doing the right thing anyway, because mm. Jesus was the one who did the right thing. I couldn't, I couldn't keep all the commandments. Um, so I think just that attitude of living our life each day 
as a way to say thank you to the God that saved us. Mm. And then you ended up in uh, the Air Force Academy. So I, I did a bit of army training in my day many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit tough, understandably. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's it like in the Air Force in America? Well, a, a lot has changed since I went through. Um, my husband and I, he's a, a graduate also, when we recently went back for our 25th reunion and you know my jaw hit the floor i'm like okay the place still looks the same but what goes on inside is totally different so it's a it's a completely different world now but but back in the day when we were there you know there was i i don't really know how to describe it sometimes i kind of say i i spent four years in a men's prison (laughs) (laughs) it was a little bit uh wild west Mm, sometimes mm. there there was a lot of things that were kind of based on kind of a revenge mentality of upperclassmen did this to me when Mm. i was a freshman so now i'm gonna make your life miserable and they really just gave a lot of power to these young men and women who were only a year or two older than us right and they basically had control over my entire life and they could do whatever they wanted Mm. and there was very little adult oversight so as you can imagine that kind of power goes to people's heads and they abuse it and misuse it and all that kind of thing. So in addition to just a very rigorous academic schedule and rigorous training and summer programs that we had to do, like survival training and jump school and soaring and all these other things, um, you know, there was also just this constant pressure of mm. just the social mm. <laughs> kind of Lord of the Flies sort of thing yeah, that yeah. went on, you know. But that is... That, uh, that, that, to describe. but that, that, that doesn't exist anymore. The culture now is totally different. Oh, they, really? They completely changed it. Because that is that is generally the culture of the army, you know, uh, defense mm-hmm. force training. Uh, they they try to break you, they try to mold you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, did you did you when you graduated? Did you spend much time in the air force? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a five year commitment afterwards, and uh, during that five years, I met and married my husband. Although we had gone to the academy together, we didn't start dating until we were lieutenants. Later, we didn't really hang out much together at school. Um, and so we got married, and then I wound up having our first child, our little son. And so shortly after he was born, um, I separated from the Air Force. I say wow. I got promoted to motherhood. Mm, yeah. And then you, I, I think I shared with you, we have eight children. So it was oh. like every two years from then on, wow. you know, we had another baby. And, and my husband has been in the Air Force this whole time. He just recently, he's in the process, actually, of retiring. Oh, right. Um, so we have been... We have moved 15 times in 25 years of marriage. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been busy. It's been a fun adventure, and we're looking forward to the next adventure yeah. God has for us. Yeah. You said that uh, your crutches were knocked out from under you, and uh, undoubtedly that's uh, what they try to do in the Armed Force training, uh, Air Force and Army. But um, may I ask you, uh, Elizabeth, what were those crutches? What were you leaning on in your early life? <laughs> So like I I mentioned, you know, I had a really awesome family, awesome childhood growing up, and I was separated from all of them. You know, we weren't, this was way before cell phones and things and email even. So I had no connection with my family other than regular letters. I was allowed to call home once a week on the weekends, and I would wait in line at the payphone for an hour or two Mm. just to speak to my family. Um, So, you know, missing out on those significant relationships was hard. You know, everybody that I had known in high school, every friend I'd ever had was gone. They, just, You know, I'm suddenly thrown in with all these new people. So it's just not knowing anybody was part of that. And I'm a really strong introvert. So that's difficult for me to be surrounded by people I don't know. <laughs> and then, um, I, you know, I hadn't really realized it. But until that point, a lot of things had come easily to me. You know, I was a straight A student. You know, I was always well respected and stuff. And, um, you know, in basic training, they 
they nobody respects you. It's not, mm, you know, mm. they're they're saying all kinds of awful things about you. You know, you're this and you're that and you're scum. Mm. And unfortunately, part of my brain believed that. I didn't realize that it was all a mental game. Um, unfortunately, part of me believed that what they were saying was true. So it was a big hit to my sort of self perception, to my self esteem. You know, all these things that had come easily and these accolades I had received before were now gone and now people were telling me I was dirt and I was believing it. So mm. it was just every, you know, all around everything. I had uh, some health problems. So, you know, even my body wasn't really dependable. Oh. <laughs> it was just like everything else that I had depended on to have a satisfying life was gone. And I'm like, now where do I find satisfaction and joy? And I found that in the chapel with Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And he steps into your life. You know, uh, not only in the armed force training, uh, in army or air force training, but in life in general, uh, you know, people face these things. Uh, we, we face bullies in life, you know, at school and even in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. But as you've rightly said, our crutch shouldn't be Jesus. I've actually heard it said, you know, uh, people have shouted at me when I've preached in the street, you know, your Christianity is nothing but a crutch. And I've got to turn back and say, you're absolutely right, mate, because if I don't lean on Christ, then I will fall flat on my face. And I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? Leaning on Jesus as he helps us, delivers us from these difficulties in life and and problems that we face. Elizabeth, we've been talking quite a lot about your your early life. Uh, We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about that son that you lost. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. You're listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson. Really good to have your company. Yes, indeed, if you're listening up and you have some questions or perhaps you would like some prayer, I'd love to receive an email from you. You can email me, dudley at surereality.net. Dudley at surereality.net. Author, blogger and speaker Elizabeth Mayers is on our program today. Elizabeth has shared how she gave her life to Christ at the age of 12, but didn't experience a real connection with her faith until she joined the U.S. Air Force. In basic training, her self-esteem was challenged, and she found that all the crutches that she'd rested on in life were stripped from her. However, the Lord continued to watch over His Word in Elizabeth's life. Attending chapel service while in training had a great effect on her faith, drawing her into a deeper understanding of her decision to follow Jesus. After graduation from basic training, she married a man who was also in the Air Force, and together they made a life serving Jesus as officers in the armed forces. Eventually, she and her husband were to have eight children. However, Elizabeth lost a child in the second trimester of pregnancy, an event that had a great impact on her life. Let's find out more as we speak with Elizabeth Mayers today on The Reality. Well, Elizabeth, just been speaking a little bit about your early life uh, through school, through the Air Force training, uh, and uh, how you learned to rest on Jesus. And I think that probably stood you in good stead for later in life. I believe that you lost a little baby. Tell us the story. Yes. So um, 
my husband and I, as I said, got married and started having children. And so I, I got out of the Air Force and he stayed in. And it wasn't, we didn't set out to have a large family. It was just kind of God gradually worked on our hearts as we went along. And uh, so we, we just gradually grew to a larger family. And um, so it was our sixth child, actually, my sixth pregnancy. Um, when, it, when it began, I was really struggling with accepting this gift from God. I, I was really just having a hard time mentally because we were getting ready for yet another move. And the baby was going to be born, you know, his due date was right at the time when we were moving and I wasn't looking forward to having to move again with a, with a newborn baby. And so I was kind of grouchy about that. Hmm. And I, I had some issues I had to work through. And I finally was getting to the place where I, I was like accepting this and I was excited about this child and I, I wanted this baby. And I, I hadn't gone through this with any other pregnancy. Every other one I was just excited from get from the get go from day one. Hmm. Uh, but I struggled this time. I don't know why, but um, just as I was beginning to feel that excitement and that joy, um, that's when tragedy struck. We were on vacation. We were away from home and pretty much without warning, his body was born. He was, uh, I was in the second trimester and he was under 20 weeks. So technically it's classified as a miscarriage, mm -hmm. but experientially, you know, his body was born and then it wasn't until later that my body started bleeding and other things happening. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was just very traumatic. I mean, it's traumatic any way that you lose a child. But just the way it happened, too, was difficult for me to process because those those images and those sensations just kept going over and over and over in my mind. Mm -hmm. And it made it very difficult for me to move on afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. So I just really struggled. This is where my faith just took a nosedive <laughs> because I was like, God, I'm, I'm in this position in the first place because I, I was following you. I was doing what I thought you wanted, you know, and it was just this double surrender of surrendering to God's will. And then surrendering to him taking the child away, hmm. it, you know, I was just like, it was just so, um, I felt betrayed, which may seem like a strong word, but I, I felt like God had betrayed me in that moment. Like I had trusted him and he had not come through for me. And, and that was again, based on this transactional faith that I had of, Hey, if I do what I'm supposed to, then God will make everything work out. Okay. Um, so I, um, struggled, I, I struggled with depression and, physical health and a bunch of stuff for years. Um, but my biggest struggle was just spiritually of feeling angry with God, questioning, you know, all, why all the big questions that people ask all the time and not hearing any answers and not feeling the presence of God. Mm. That was very difficult. For me. Mm. Mm. And uh, when did that improve? Did, uh, did God finally come through to you and say, you know, I've always been alongside after he was born, my husband took me to the ER because that's when, I, you know, I started bleeding. And we, we took his body with us and surrendered him to the hospital. They wouldn't give his body back to me. So we never got to have a burial or anything. But mm. as we were leaving the hospital, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do was leave that hospital without my baby. Mm -hmm. And we went to the little um, garden where they told us that they would cremate him and spread his ashes. We weren't allowed to be a part of that. But that's what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. And there was kind of a distant thunderstorm. You know, I heard the, the thunder rumbling in the distance. And I just kind of felt in my spirit, like God said, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And then that was the last thing that I heard from him for mm -hmm. years. And then after that, it was just silence. And I'm like, where did you go? And, and so I doubted that. You know, I doubted that experience. I'm like, am I making this stuff up in my head? Do I really believe these things? And part of what kept me... There were a couple of factors that kept me trapped so long. One of them was just pride. 
of I don't want to admit that I have a mental health problem. I felt like Christians should be full of joy and peace, and here I was depressed and anxious, and w- what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why, why can't I live this happy life like other Christians are living? And the other thing that kept me stuck is our culture doesn't really know how to grieve the loss of a child that hasn't been born yet. The, the, the people at the hospital that I met like refused to even refer to him as a human. They mm. called him the product of conception. Mm. You know, they, I'm like, he has a name. You know, his name is Timothy. They, they, nobody treated me like I had actually lost a child. And to me, it was the same as any other child. You know, if, in, if any of my other living children had died, I, it was that same level of grief for me. Mm-hmm. But obviously it wasn't for anybody else, you know? And so I was, I was just in this w- very weird reality where I knew something, you know, I knew because I knew because I knew that I had lost a child, but it was like the rest of the world was in denial about it. Like, no, you, that wasn't really a child. That was just an opportunity to have a child. So I got stuck there for a long time. And basically I had to wait until the pain of staying the same exceeded the pain of changing because people don't like to change. But eventually it got too much to bear, just too much to carry. And, and I talked to my husband. I said, I have got to do something. Something has got to change. And he fully supported me. And I didn't know if, you know, am I tired all the time because I'm depressed or am I depressed because I'm exhausted and I can't get up and do anything? Or is all of this a spiritual problem because I'm angry at God? And, you know, maybe the whole reason all of this happened was because I sinned somewhere in the past, you know, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I need to uncover that. And so I decided rather than spin circles trying to figure out, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg or what's causing what or what the root issue is, Hmm. I just decided in my little military mind, I was going to attack it at all four fronts. So physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, I was just going to take the next best baby step that I could conceive of Hmm. and, you know, just gradually fight back on all four areas. Hmm. And so there was nothing miraculous. God can totally swoop in in an instant and change things just like that. And I prayed and prayed that he would do that for me. You know, I wanted him just to take this away from me, to take this hurt and pain away. And in my case, he chose not to do that. I, you know, who knows the mind of God, but I think that perhaps he was wanting me to walk through these steps and to claim the healing and the wholeness that he had for me. And in part, so I can teach others how to do that now because that's all the, the teaching and the coaching that I do is based on building strength in these areas of our life and building resiliency mm-hmm. um, so that we can overcome things and so that then we can get out there and do our purpose and do what God has designed us to do. So it was just gradually working on these things. I gradually began to heal and began to find wholeness. And, you know, it was just kind of God rebuilt me one brick at a time. There was not a major there's not a particular spot I can point to and say, that's it. That's where the healing happened. You know, it's like, what, what day did your kids actually grow out of their shoes? I don't know. It just <laughs> happens. <laughs> One day you wake up and their shoes don't fit anymore. I like that. Yes. Yes. But that's how God works. Sometimes, you know, uh, we often uh, turn and complain to God that he's not seen our circumstances, but he has, and he does see our situations. Uh, And uh, the thing with God is he knows us. Sometimes we don't know ourselves enough, but God knows us, and he's he's inputted into our lives, and he's just there. You know, one of the... um, 
One of the Greek words to describe the Holy Spirit is paraclete, which means the one alongside. He's always alongside, even when we're going through these difficulties. And we don't seem to realize it, but he's always there. I can hear that in your story, Elizabeth. Um, You have um, a series of books, I believe, that you've written, um, Undefeated from Trial to Triumph, uh, Undaunted, Your Battle Plan for Victorious Living, and Unshakable, Stand Strong, Even When Your World is Rocked. Well... These books and these titles really describe some victory in your own life. You got to a place where you were victorious. Tell me a little bit more about these books and your ministry. Yes, definitely. So one of the um, pieces of advice that I had from a a Christian counselor I was seeking help from, she told me to write a journal to, you know, when I was feeling better, to write a journal to my depressed self because I was kind of up and down. Sometimes I was okay and sometimes I was really low. Hmm. And um, so as part of my kind of re-engaging with God, you know, I took up again having a quiet time in the morning and uh, reading my Bible and praying. I had been faithful of that in the past, but I had kind of given up during this dark period. I was like, what's the point? God's going to do what God's going to do. Why bother praying to him? You know, if everything comes down to thy will be done, why mess with it? Hmm. It was kind of my attitude. I was um, just very jaded and very negative. So I started, I restarted these quiet times in the morning. And I started journaling to to write down things to remember so that when I was depressed, I could go back and read that and go, oh, yes, that is what's true. Mm -hmm. Not what, you know, my poisoned thinking is when I'm in this depressed mode, but this is what's true. Mm -hmm. And so I was three quarters of the way through the first notebook, and I'm like, you know, I think this is a book. I think I'm writing a book. (laughs) You know, you feel that little God nudge of, Mm -hmm. you know, he was kind of saying, hey, I've shown you these things, not just for you, but so that you could share those blessings with others. And uh, later, you know, when I was going through the struggle of writing the books and felt like giving up, you know, I I felt like God kind of just nudged me again and said, don't hoard what I've given you. I've Mm -hmm. given it to you so you can give it to other people. So that's kind of the mission that I'm on now. But I started writing the book and it quickly grew to be too big. So Mm -hmm. I chopped it up into three. And I I don't know if a nonfiction trilogy is a thing, but I made it one. So the first book, Undefeated, is out already. And it basically talks about the reason that we feel defeated a lot of times is because we don't know what the real fight is, that our real fight is good against evil. And our our issue, our enemy is never other people, and it's never our circumstances. We only have one enemy. Hmm. And so it talks about knowing your enemy, knowing who God is, and that he's on your side, that he's for you, he's not against you. And then knowing our own identity in Christ, and how we can claim our victory through knowing who we actually are and not believing the devil's lies about who he says we are. Amen. And then I also have a section called Believe Anyway about, you know, that just kind of deals with all the questions and doubts and things that I was struggling with that a lot of people struggle with when we go through hard times of how does a good God allow suffering like this? So I I share my my answers to those big questions. You know, there's no complete satisfying answer, but I share how I've dealt with those. And then the second book, which will be released here in a few months, Um, Undaunted is more than nuts and bolts. The first book kind of lays the foundation and the worldview that makes the second book make sense. So this is where I talk about, you know, my five fronts of spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and then I added the fifth one of will or willpower or motivation to do these things. And then I also have a chapter on anxiety and one on depression because those are the two struggles that I've dealt with. And so I have some, some special helps for that. Mm. And then the third book, Unshakable, is not written yet. It's, it's my next big project. Okay, okay, <laughs> but ahead. it's just all about like the bigger picture of God's victory and, and just, you know, where you can see the bigger picture of what's going on. 
and that we're all called on a holy adventure to go with God and to live out our purpose, that all of this is for a purpose. Absolutely. The scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for a uh, good, uh, good life, for shalom, which means mm-hmm. well-being, success mm-hmm. and blessing and peace. And the truth of that is, the scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The truth is, God knows the plans he has for us. We don't. <laughs> We've got to discover them, seek them yeah. and track them. And I can see that in your life. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your life with us today on The Reality. We uh, pray that God will bless your, your ministry and your books and that they will sell in their millions. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I'm speaking with Elizabeth Mayers today on The Reality. If you have some questions or you'd like some prayer, please email me dudley at surereality.net. Email me dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. Find out more at our website, surereality.net. From me, Dudley Addison, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus and God bless.